This episode of the Butane by ABIC podcast is brought to you by Circadia, clinical skincare that works with your body's natural circadian rhythms. Hello and welcome to the Butane by ABIC podcast, your online support community for the aesthetic and beauty industry. Here, we are strengthening and unifying the industry through representation, innovation and education. This is a platform created and dedicated to the aesthetic and beauty industry, valuing unity and advancement. We serve to represent, support and inspire you by connecting you with industry experts, expanding your knowledge through educational pieces and bringing you the latest industry news. This is Beauté by ABIC. Welcome, I'm your host, Stephanie Miller, and today's guest is Michael Pouliez from Circadia. Following in his grandfather's footsteps, Michael Q. Pouliez, Circadia's CEO, has become an inspirational leader in product development and has also been recognised as an internationally distinguished educator. He has expanded Circadia's global reach and distribution into more than 30 countries worldwide. This global expansion has created a skincare regime for every skin type in the world. By following in his grandfather's footsteps, Michael has been driven to deliver a clear message regarding skin health to all of his clients. Circadia is formulated to work in harmony with the body's natural circadian rhythms, which protect from environmental damage during the day, while focusing on skin repair during evening rest. From Circadia, today we welcome Michael Pouliez. Welcome to the podcast, Michael. Thank you so much, Stephanie. I'm so happy to be here with you today. Well, it's a real pleasure having you. I was very excited to speak with you today and because you've got a really innovative um, and exciting technology and ideas um, mixed in with your skincare brand and philosophy. But before we get started on all of that, uh, we always start the podcast by asking our guests how they entered into the professional beauty industry. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Of course, absolutely. So, I mean, if I'm going all the way back to the beginning, you can kind of say that I was born into the industry. Uh, my grandfather, Dr. Pudlis, the founder of, of our brand, Circadia, um, he, he started the company in, in 2001, and I joined a few years after that in 2004, stress, uh, fresh out of college. Um, but before that, I spent a lot of my summers uh, working in production. Uh, at that time, we were doing manufacturing for a lot of brands that he was doing consultation for and formulary development. So I was constantly uh, filling bottles, capping, uh, packaging, uh, sometimes doing packaging in the warehouse. Uh, and even before that, when I was a, a little guy, a little kid, um, I'd come home from school and I'd, I'd my first job was actually washing some of the glassware and the beakers and, and things like that in, in the laboratory. So I started very, very early on. But my first position in the skincare industry uh, was in 2004, straight from university. Wow, uh, that's all the fun stuff, right? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, getting, getting to learn the ropes early on. 
Absolutely. And then during that sort of timeline, when you were, you know, doing all those sort of fun background things, when did you actually start to develop a passion for skincare and specifically for ingredients? Right. Well, you know, it, it wasn't until, and, and, you know, to be fully transparent, it wasn't until about a year into working with Circadia that I kind of found my footing, but I really gained an appreciation for, you know, the love and admiration and respect that my grandfather had uh, after our first trade show. So that was about three months into me coming to work for the company. Wasn't really sure where my place was uh, just yet. And it really was just the decision to come and work for that summer uh, before I was heading to what I thought was going to be a, a career in finance. But after seeing, you know, how people responded to, to him, I just thought, wow, there's such, such a great opportunity here. And I, I just wanted to be part of, part of that, you know, and it was, it was just so exciting to me. And um, he and I really started to spend a lot of time together. I mean, we had always been close, but we started spending more time uh, in the lab working on products. I wanted to know more. I got a lot more excited about the role that I was, was playing in the company at that point and, you know, working with customers, learning the products myself. And I just, it just kind of all came very, very quickly uh, after that, that, that first year. And then of course I went on to, to get my license to, to be able to practice aesthetics, which I've never taken a dollar for service, even though I've done thousands of demonstrations and treatments over the years, but you know, that also added a lot of credibility and understanding for me uh, with our clients and, and the estheticians that I was talking to about the brand. Mm. Is it a passion for, for skincare and science or is it a passion because you want to help people with their skin concerns? I think it's a little bit of both, but I, I mean, I, I, my, I'm always excited to learn about the science of ingredients and how they work on the skin. And that of course leads to generating solutions for people and being able to help them. So I, I, in my opinion, they really do go hand in hand, but it's the science and the function of ingredients and how they work and how they are able to be absorbed and how they affect and impact the, the overall health of the skin that really you know, drew me into that part of the, the, the business, the industry and, and how we do things here. So the products are actually formulated, you say, to work in harmony with the body's natural circadian rhythms. Can you tell us a little bit about what are circadian rhythms and what is chronobiology? Sure. So when my grandfather started the company in 2001, it was kind of um, what he understood was being a physician in the industry and having had developed products for a number of different companies, number of different brands. You know, he understood that there was kind of a lack of fundamental knowledge of, of the physiology of just how day night cycles affect how the skin is functioning, how it's operating and the difference between, you know, how you can impact the health of the skin in a state of defense during the day and a state of repair at night. So this is what the skin is doing already. So that's part of the circadian function of the skin. So the circadian clock is in part of the brain and it helps to regulate these daily 24 rhythmic cycles that are referred to as circadian rhythms. So, you know, when you hear people talk about circadian rhythms, it's usually in the context of sleep cycles. Um, and, and I'm sure we'll get a chance to talk a little bit about how when they get thrown off. You know, that usually has to do with traveling and traveling across time zones specifically. But you really see the skin behaving differently during the day than it does at night. Now, that translates very well to 
what is most applicable for skin health and what we should be applying during the day versus the evening. So making sure we're protecting from environmental stressors, ultraviolet exposure, things like that during the daytime, you know, when the skin is, is, is very active in the protection phase. And then in the evening, when it's engaging in the most repair cycles, so epidermal cell turnover, uh, protein synthesis and dermal tissue, um, a higher level of hydration loss. So these are all things that, you know, we're looking to affect when it comes to our product application. And chronobiology is really the biology of time, but it's, it's the larger science that covers the concept of circadian rhythms. That, that makes so much sense, doesn't it? I mean, we all know inherently when we're recommending products to our clients, we know that we need the repairing, um, nourishing, you know, uh, ingredients at night and we need your protective stuff and antioxidants during the day and all those types of things. Um, but the way that you've explained it makes just so much sense. Um, you know, you were talking a little bit about circadian rhythms throwing these off. What factors can actually affect circadian rhythms? Right. Well, the biggest one, as I mentioned, is a disruption in, in in time. So when you're traveling across time zones, you know, and and you're not getting the regular rhythmic patterns of sleep, that is is the key disruptor, especially for international travel. When you're traveling across multiple time zones from one continent to another, uh, that that's that's possibly the, the biggest one. What's interesting is the body as a whole and the skin as well has the ability to sense the changes in these rhythmic patterns. And in fact, every, every cell inside the body that has DNA uh, structure in it, which is almost all of them, um, we see functioning these individual circadian genes. So there's genes that are, are named based on the circadian rhythm function like clock and period and cycle. In fact, just a few years ago, the Nobel prize for work on physiology was awarded for uh, circadian rhythm work. So it's a, it's a huge area of study. It's something that's being focused on significantly more now than it's ever been, which is great for us, for Circadia as a brand, because it helps to bring awareness to what we've been talking about. And of course, it's, it's the basis of our concept now for you know, 20, 21 years now since we've been mm-hmm. uh, in existence. Long time. Um, so you say that international travel can throw it off, but can I ask a, another question? Can um, sleep deprivation from being a mum throw your circadian rhythms off? Um, without you know, a doubt. Without, without a doubt. doubt. <laughs> that, that's something that's, that's very measurable. And I'll, I'll, I'll give a reference for, for your listeners here that are you know, listening to this and maybe just hearing about some of this for the first time. Um, there's a website actually called chronobiology.com uh, that I often refer to uh, that it's not just about the function of circadian rhythms, which we, we talk about quite a bit, but how just lack of sleep in general can impact the function of the body uh, kind of across the board. So that's one, of course, and individuals who might be working a second or a third shift, that's that throws off circadian rhythms. And there's a lot of research to support that you know, a lot of the aging diseases that we know of, everything from atherosclerosis, renal failure, heart disease, cancer, uh, have a disproportionately higher number in individuals who have something that's throwing off their circadian rhythm patterns. Well, that's it's pretty intense when you think about it that way. It doesn't it just affect your skin? Of course, it, it affects your whole body. Um, what would you give advice to, to mums that are having to be on that three-hour sleep cycle um, to, to actually get back into their normal circadian rhythms um, or know, just even that during that time to sustain them, I suppose? 
well, obviously easier said than done, but do the very best they possibly can to try and get into those normal sleep patterns. I mean, of course, you know, with little ones at home, uh, newborns, it's it's nearly impossible. Oh, they're up every few hours, yes. Right, <laughs> of course, of course. Much, much easier said than done. Um, but to the very best of the ability, that, that, that's really the best way to reset that. When it comes to skin and the relationship to skin and circadian rhythms, it's really trying to... Uh, mimic and match up with circadian rhythm function the best we possibly can in that daily defense evening repair system. And we have certain ingredients and categories of ingredients, performance ingredients that can help with that. But mm. it's really that central clock and it's a part of the brain. It's called the suprachiasmatic nucleus. And that's the central clock that governs all circadian function. But again, each cell that has DNA is able to kind of also have a reset period to circadian rhythm function. So really interesting. And again, the deeper you go down the rabbit hole into understanding how it works, uh, the, more you, the more you get to discover <laughs> hey, that we're just scratching the surface on what we know. Oh my goodness. I mean, you could talk literally about the function and mechanism of the circadian rhythm, pretty much the whole podcast and more, and you never run out of things to say, but I got really excited when you mentioned the word ingredients that have the positive effect on circadian rhythms. Tell us a little bit about what skincare ingredients does have a, a good effect or um, I suppose a healing effect or a positive effect on that circadian rhythm. Right. Well, you know, and, and if you look at the different categories of ingredients, you know, there's a lot that you can identify that have an impact on circadian rhythm function. I mean, and these are standard ingredients that have been, you know, utilized in the industry for, you know, since it's, since it's start, you know, we'll, we'll talk about vitamin A because everyone utilizes vitamin A. Most brands utilize vitamin A in different, uh, different forms and percentages, but vitamin A is considered to be a cell proliferator. When, when the client is applying it to the skin on a, regular basis. It's accelerating epidermal proliferation. It also triggers fibroblasts to help to uh, produce connective tissues like collagen and elastin as well. But the simple nature of it helping to accelerate cell turnover uh, makes it something that's most effective and something that should typically be applied in the evening, right? Because we now have as part of circadian rhythm function, 30 times more natural cell turnover at night. One of the reasons why that's happening is the circadian rhythm function of the daytime being protection is that we don't necessarily want cells dividing during that time because it leaves them more susceptible to DNA damage from yes. UV exposure, right? So when a cell is replicating, it's having to uncoil its DNA completely when it divides, when it replicates. And then once that ultraviolet light hits that DNA structure, it creates these cross linkages, which ultimately lead to dimers and potentially lead to mutations and then, and then different types of carcinoma. So just by simply utilizing something like vitamin A to accelerate cell turnover at appropriate times, it's pairing with circadian rhythm function and activity. So that's, that's kind of a universal example that we can use. However, the ingredient development side of our industry, and this is not just exclusive to our brand, there's many ingredient suppliers now that have developed technology ingredients based on circadian rhythm function. And they're supplying them not just to our company, but to companies all over the world. So one that I highlight a lot is called chronocycline. 
and they marketed it as a circadian rhythm peptide. It's a company called Eximol. And what it does is it helps to optimize vitamin D expression. So when we look at different forms of vitamins like vitamin A, of course, vitamin C, vitamin E, they absorb relatively readily and quickly into the skin in the variety of forms that they're available. But vitamin D, not so much. The form of calciferol that you take as a supplement, um, it really doesn't have anywhere to go into the skin when it's applied topically. And it's because a lot of the vitamin D that's made by the body is more of a systemic conversion, right? Even, even if we yes. get sun exposure, it hits the skin, it comes back to the liver. There's a conversion that's happening there. So what this peptide does, the circadian rhythm peptide, is it helps the skin to optimize vitamin D expression with the, the, with the minimal amount of sun exposure. So really, really interesting, novel, and unique type of ingredient. And again, there's examples of that whether it has to do with DNA protection, whether it has to do with um, additional hydration, because again, you're not only having accelerated cell turnover cycles, but you also have a higher level of moisture loss. You're actually losing the most moisture through the surface of the skin via transepidermal water loss between 9 and 11 p.m. than you are at any other time of the day. So one of the reasons why you see more um, moisture binding ingredients being used at night is in an effort to kind of trap and hold that moisture in the evening. So we're trying to slow down natural uh, moisture loss. So again, we're kind of assisting with circadian rhythm function just by using a moisturizer. We're trying to slow that process down. And the moisture loss is directly uh, linked to the, what the skin function is at that particular time in the, in the circadian rhythm. Well, and again, there's a couple different factors and I, uh, thank you for asking that question because it allowed me to clarify, but along with the accelerated cell turnover, along with additional protein synthesis, because when you have amino acids coming together and being assembled in the dermal tissue in uh, also the epidermal structures as it, as it happens as well, part of the byproduct of that peptide formation is water. Right? So course, you have more water actually being produced and generated naturally within the skin, but because of the cell turnover that's occurring as well, it, it will just, it, it naturally just has a tendency to accelerate during that time. So again, that, that window between nine and 11, you're losing more mo moisture naturally. We're trying to lock it in. We're trying to keep the skin hydrated and we hydrate the skin by keeping what we already have. This is a bit of a left field question, but what do you think about, you know, blue light blockers um, and things like that in ingredients and in skincare? I think it's extremely important. And it's a great question, in fact, because, you know, it, it's been a it's been a hot topic for the last couple of years. And um, it, it's, it's important because right now, none of the UV filters that are approved here in the United States or really worldwide help to protect against blue light. And if you look at standard sunscreen technology, whether it's chemical screens or physical screens, in general, if you're protecting against UVA and UVB, you're talking about anywhere from 275 up to about 390, sorry, 390 nanometers protection. Blue light doesn't start until 400. Yeah, so of none of that sunscreen technology filters out or protects against uh, that, that 400 plus. So you need an ingredient profile that's going to help to protect from that. And, you know, when the conversation about, about blue light started, you know, it really was more about the devices that we're using, whether it be cell phones or computers or TV screens or whatnot. And uh, 
you know, rightly so, obviously a lot of us are in front of our phones later and later and later at night. So it has an impact, but the device makers are, are making filters that are going on. You get more, far more blue light exposure from the sun outside yes, during the day than you do from your devices. So it's far less of a concern from your devices than it is from outside unprotected. So having things that will help to either neutralize free radicals specifically that are created from yeah. that specific wavelength that we get from blue light or things that will help to filter blue light, which there really aren't many, uh, are going to be extremely important going forward when it comes to development. Mm. And there's, there's, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people probably don't even realize that they're getting so much more blue light because the focus during the day, because the focus is always on blue light from your devices and they're not, they're sort of discounting the fact that you're, you're exposed to it all day long. Um, but there exactly. is... The yeah, there is the school of thought that, you know, th there is a place for blue light during the day, not at night, because uh, it has a place in actually pr protecting against uh, UVA, UVB um, in certain ways. Is there any truth to that do, that you find? Uh, you know, I, 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 I've heard it discussed uh, as of late, as recently. I honestly can't pinpoint exactly where that would come from. I'd love to be able to come back on to the, to another podcast after mm. I do a little bit more digging in because to be quite <laughs> honest, I haven't been asked that question yet. What I will tell you, which that, which has come up, which does concern me about blue light from devices specifically, is it does also throw off circadian function. If you have a blue light that you're looking at at 10 or 11 p.m., you know, and I'm guilty of this too, I spend more time on uh, social media and email at night than, than any grown man should. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it actually tricks that part of the brain, again, that, that central circadian clock into believing that it is daytime hours. And so that's that why everyone's working. walking around with those um, orange glasses, the, the, the right. light filtering glasses. That's right. So it is a bit of a concern, but I'll, I'll dig into that question that you had about uh, blue light actually protecting. I've heard it discussed recently, but I have. Mm, it has a form of protection. I suppose, you know, we we understand a limited amount of, of things and, and uh, you know, the understanding grow, grows more and more as we research. But, I, you know, there is, I think there is a little bit of validity in there. Um, it is a fairly new discussion that's happening. It would be great if you could, you know, come back on, on the show and, and tell us all about what you find out there. Um, but, there, you know, harping on ingredients, there are actually, I found out that your grandfather conducted the first clinical study on copper peptides, uh, vitamin E and beta-glucan. Is that correct? Uh, you know, advancing yeah, yeah. sort of in our industry? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he, he did a lot of the initial penetration tests on the, uh, on the ingredients that you just mentioned and, and even more, you know, some of them kind of by accident, others uh, <laughs> because he was, he was contracted to do it because he started developing products in, in 1971. So his first skincare formulations came in the early 70s uh, when he joined what was called the, it's, it's still called the Society of Cosmetic Chemists. So he, he was a member, I'm, I'm a member as well, but back then it was a very, very small group and he was the first physician to actually join the society. So he kind of added a little bit of credibility to, you know, a physician coming in and saying, okay, we're going to work do, do some clinicals about how these ingredients actually function and where the quote active ingredients more more so we refer to as performance or functional ingredients today are, are able to impact and affect the overall 
benefit and health of the skin. So the, the vitamin E, that, that he discovered on his own beta-glucan, he actually was doing a penetration test for uh, a company that was marketing beta-glucan as a skincare ingredient, but he was the first to actually discover that it was able to stimulate longer hand cell activity. And even though it, it didn't even have to penetrate into the skin, just very superficially, topically, beta-glucan can stimulate longer hand cells, stretch them to, to, to get their dendrites to reach higher up into the skin where they can have a more a, a higher level of impact on antiviral function. Circadia works to enhance your skin's ability to protect and repair and provides highly effective skincare solutions that are clinically clean, physician founded, free from animal testing and eco-friendly. A multi-award winner in the Skin Games, L&E and Spa Awards and Dermoscope Awards, Circadia boasts an impressive lineup of award-winning treatments and products. Discover the Circadia range at circadia.com.au. What do you think of the single uh, ingredient mega dosing? So really, really high, high concentrations of, of one particular ingredient um, in a serum or in a skincare product. What do you? It really, de it really depends on what it is, and you know the, the the terminology that gets used in cosmetic versus pharmaceutical is is different. But there sometimes it's applicable to say. Well, effective dose concentration is very important. So for example, if you're using, we'll, we'll stick with the, the topic of peptides. If you're using a peptide, you know, they, they get, the manufacturers of the ingredient oftentimes will provide a range that we as, we as producers of the finished product, the finished skincare product should use it. Because if you're using it at too high of a percentage, mm. there isn't necessarily a danger with peptides it's just you have kind of cell receptor saturation. There's only so many receptors that the peptides are designed to attach to because that's how they function. Exactly, they attach yeah. to a receptor either to influence the behavior of a cell or groups of cells or their, their inhibitors of some kind like the topical Botox-like peptides. They're essentially neurotransmission inhibitors. So if you're using an excessive amount, there really isn't enough receptors for those peptides to attach to. So it becomes wasteful. So with that regard, you know, you really have to stick to uh, an appropriate percentage. With things like vitamin A, you can certainly overuse them. Also, alpha hydroxy acids, you know, there's overkill with vitamin C as well with, you know, with certain forms like ascorbic <laughs> acid to the point where it becomes irritating to the That's skin exactly where you're right. actually triggering an inflammatory response. And, you know, we can control an inflammatory response with alpha hydroxy acids and beta hydroxy acids for peeling and things like that. But if you're using it for, you know, a home care application, it, it can be a bit of an issue. So, you know, the, the notion of mega dosing, while it's good with some things, I think could be potentially dangerous if you just say categorically it's, it's something that can be done. No, wonderful. Okay, so let's change those gears over to treatments. Circadia actually have a signature called Switch. Is that right? And it's designed to work with your skin's biochemistry. Tell us a little bit more about this. Right. So that's the switch concept my grandfather developed 
before he had developed some of the rest of the concept for Circadia. So that had been around for quite some time, but he really based a lot of that biological function of the switch and around the rest, oh, sorry, the rest of the line around the switch concept. So um, we've always marketed the switch as an alternative to chemical peels. And a lot of our clients still refer to it as quote, the switch peel, but it's not. So alpha and beta hydroxy acids, as we know, are designed to incite a certain amount of damage to trigger a repair response from the skin. But at the end of it all, what are we really trying to achieve? Well, we're trying to get rid of the excessive amount of keratin and protein that's built up the stratum corneum at the surface. What the switch utilizes are alpha keto acids. And alpha ketos, these are functioning within the Krebs cycle, which is in the mitochondria. So if you look at the mitochondria, it's the powerhouse of the cell, but within the matrix of the mitochondria, you have functioning this almost like water wheel-like structure, which is the Krebs cycle. So most simple sugars ultimately break down into something called pyruvic acid. Pyruvic is one of the key initiators to all ATP production. You also see in the Krebs cycle, something called succinic acid. So where they're positioned in the Krebs cycle, that's what we're actually using within the switch. So once they're taken up by the cell, taken up by the mitochondria, they're essentially spinning this water wheel Krebs cycle structure faster. The end result is it kicks off more ATP and for a mature aged damaged skin, you know, additional energy just allows these cells to do a lot of the things they used to do when they were more young and viable, healthy and functional. So really what we're trying to achieve with the switch treatment is getting skin that is mature and damaged to look and behave more like younger, healthy, functioning skin. So while it, you, you get some of the same results and look of what's happening with the chemical peel, the results you can achieve are far better with the switch than what you can get with any chemical peel, whether it's you know, circadia peel or, or, or any other on the market. And it's because you're doing something that's working with the body's own biochemistry, right? You're using things that are already recognizable by the body. These are things that are functioning within the cells of the skin already. So it just it's just a tried and true service that we see consistently outperforming most of the treatments that, that are on the market. I love what you've just said. And what about downtime? Um, I'm assuming there wouldn't be any. Or there isn't. Know. So it, it, it's a no damage, no downtime system. Uh, what I can tell you is when the client's receiving the treatment, it does get very warm and, mm. and red for, for about two minutes, but the heat certainly dissipates. Redness dissipates within about an hour, but the heat dissipates within about two minutes. So where, you know, most clients that have had appeal that, you know, anyone who's listening, you know, it, it's usually a pretty slow build gradual within two, three, four minutes, if it's, you know, something heavy like a Jesner peel or something like that. And then it gets really, really hot and it stays consistently hot for a while after, after that with the switch, it's almost like a flash in the pan. And within two minutes it's gone and it actually has a little bit of a cooling feel afterwards. That actually makes a lot of sense. That sustains um, heat over the period of time that's what's, you know, I mean, there's beneficial, there's benefits, obviously, to stimulating that, but that's where your problems come in as well with your, you know, um, post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation and all those things, which obviously exactly. you're avoiding using the switch program, right? 
Correct. Mm. Um, and so you use the phrase clinically clean. Uh, what does tell us a, a bit about what that means to you and circadian skin? You know, it's it's more of a philosophy than anything else of what we try to do when it comes to being responsible. It's our commitment that we have to our spa partners, uh, our esthetician partners, and of course to 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 the end user, right? The clients that end up taking their product home. You know, we try to avoid things that we know that could create any kind of damage or harm to the skin. We want to use things that we know are safe for clients to take home and to use. Um, and that's really the commitment that we have. And, you know, natural and organic is something that is now, you know, in the hearts and minds of many consumers. Doesn't necessarily mean it's good, but certainly we value the gifts of Mother Nature. So we can utilize things that are sourced responsibly, but that also have a natural component to them. You know, not only are we satisfying the demand of the consumer, but we're also making sure that things are coming from a place that we know that are going to be good for the skin, good for the body overall. Mm. And it's all about transparency as well, letting really communicating that message of what that means to to you, um, to your actual client, the end user, and 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 ultimately giving them the the choice of going, okay, this is what I select for my skin. Um, absolutely absolutely i mean that you hit it right on the head that's exactly what we're trying to achieve yeah and you know the the landscape of our industry changes so quickly uh you know there's trends that come and go um it, it is really sometimes hard to keep up if you're a skincare brand because obviously if you're a skincare brand that actually formulates and develops their own products um you it takes time right to to actually develop something that's 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 really stable and and really uh you know because you don't want to just formulate for, for no reason just to keep up to trends but how do you um you know overcome the challenges of keeping up with those trends and still producing really quality uh timely formulations right i mean it is a challenge because there's always something new coming out you know, you want to stay on the cutting edge of technology. And, and you know, I have, I say this because we have the benefit of research and development manufacturing being part of our DNA. Long before Circadia was founded in 2001, my grandfather enjoyed a very extensive career as a consultant, developing products for other companies, manufacturing, educating the industry. So, you know, I had the benefit of coming into the industry uh, you know, pretty well stacked with all of these uh, credentials in our corner already, having having that thorough understanding. So we have uh, ingredient suppliers that we go to that we work with all the time. So I, I feel like the advantage for us is that we have a little bit of foresight into what's new and what's coming ahead of time. So we're never chasing the hot thing, right? We have an idea of what's coming before it actually comes to market. But you're right, it does take time to develop a product, develop a marketing strategy around it, make sure that a formulation is stable before it's actually launched. Um, but really taking the time to investigate and make sure, is this something that's going to be a long-term benefit for the clients? And more, more importantly, is this something that's gonna be important for overall skin health? So when you talk about concepts like blue light, you know, the introduction of the importance of taking care of microbiome, um, you know, when you look at things like vitamin A alternatives, Bacuchiol, which by the way, we use in a couple products that we have now, that was an ingredient that I had sitting in our R&D lab 
for probably about five years before we ever started right. putting it in the product. And overnight, it became a sensation uh, for no, no, no really measurable reason at all. <laughs> so it really just depends on when is something actually going to hit. You know, it becomes new to people when they hear about it for the first time. So there's things, and, and there's probably half a dozen examples I could give you about an ingredient that, you know, was new to somebody at one point, but had been around for a while. Mm, absolutely. And I suppose being that you are such a, a you know, a, an experimenter in the best sense of the word um, with ingredients and you love education, you're almost uh, ahead of the trends. So you could say you're sometimes even the ones that are setting the trends because you're experimenting and, and trialing as you're going rather than responding to market trends. Is that what, what your philosophy is? Yes. And, you know, I have to tell you that this is probably um, one of the more exciting times that we've had an opportunity to to be in a phase of development. I mean, a little bit of a teaser. Oh, yes, please. Uh, we love those. <laughs> I, I, we have we have about 12 products in different varying stages of development currently. And some of them are, are professional back bar treatment products. Some of them are home care use products. Some of them are updates on existing products that uh, that are currently in our offerings. But a lot of it is um, projects that we've been working on over the last couple of years, even pre, I guess we're calling it now pre-COVID, post-COVID, <laughs> but even before, you know, the, the, the challenges that we had faced with supply chain issue, which, you know, we still have, you know, it's still here, we're, we're, we're still dealing with it. it, it certainly has improved, but the biggest issue with uh, bringing products to market currently is you know being able to satisfy demand that we have of current growth, making sure that we have good uh, stock and inventory to to satisfy the growth that we have currently before we bring out anything new. So uh, that's what we're working on now. But we have several products that we're looking to bring out towards the end of this year and then throughout 2023 and into 2024. That's extremely responsible of you because now I don't know if it's happening in the US, but in Australia in particular, uh, we're hearing from uh, from estheticians and from business owners that so many of their their beloved products from various ranges are out of, are still out of stock, and there are you know so many expected delays in the future. So really, um, part of your business hunkering down and making sure that you satisfy your existing customer and your existing demand before, you know, you start adding on is actually a really responsible approach um, well, and very and, timely. And, yeah. And it, it, it's something that we've, that us, and we certainly feel the pain. A lot of brands have had to do it. And, and a lot of it is because companies that have the ingredient suppliers, some of them are just saying, well, look, we're not going to stock that ingredient anymore. We're just not going to make it because it, it it's a trickle down effect, right? So you have, mm. You have a skincare company like Circadia, who's manufacturing product. You have an ingredient supplier who is either producing the product or sourcing it from a manufacturer, or maybe they are a distributor uh, and purchasing it in bulk from uh, you know a supplier in a, in a remote region of the world, and it's part of their portfolio of offering. And if the supplier or whoever is ultimately manufacturing says, "Hey, we're just not going to make it anymore." Uh, you know, then it has to, if it's already in a formula, you've got to find a replacement or reformulate. So that's, that's something that we faced uh, a few times. And I know that it's something that a lot of other brands are facing as well. So it's a challenge that I think is going to continue, um, which, you know, just means you have to continue to innovate. 
Yeah. I mean, it does. It drives innovation. It drives creativity. So uh, in the end, uh, consumers, you know, will will get, I suppose, we'll always end up with the best um, side of it only because it will force us to, I mean, even throughout COVID, it just forced us to come up with new, better ways of doing things. So it's, temporary, it's exactly what, temporary it's hurt, exactly, you know? Yeah, you're right. It's exactly what's happening right now. It's It's... The pressure that we're feeling through that <laughs> is causing us to do better. Yeah. <laughs> yes, do better. I love it. I love it. Um, and, you know, a recurring theme throughout our conversation has been education. And I've just heard that you've launched the new Circadia University. Yeah, um, so exciting. Oh, so exciting. Tell us what, what that means for, you know, aestheticians and um, why is it such an important tool for a professional in the, in the industry today? You know, I have to give a lot of credit to my team for helping to to kind of push us in this direction to say, hey, it's time to create a new platform for education because I, I, have, I feel that we've always been viewed as an education company. Again, this, is, this has a lot to do with the foundation that my grandfather created by being such a beloved educator in the industry for decades before ever, ever putting his name on a product. So the textbooks, Advanced Professional Skin Care, um, the first edition, the medical edition, physiology of the skin edition one, two, and three, the countless amount of articles that were published in Dermascope magazine and Skin Inc. magazine, Les Nobel Satique, you know, the credibility as, as an education company was there long before we ever had a single product. So that was great. It, 20 years later, you know, now we've created a platform that is highly accessible to professionals, you know, that, that is going to allow them to be able to view education, not just product education and product knowledge, but things that are relevant to just maintaining their business or becoming educated on a specific skin condition or an ingredient category. So we launched it. The idea is to be able to drip feed some of this out uh, and not just spill it all out at once. And we've done some testing and got it out to uh, some of our partners and the response has been overwhelmingly positive. So that's the, the site is live now, CircadiaU, it's live now, but the amount of content that we're planning on adding here over the next six to 12 months is just, it, it's staggering. And we've done an incredible job, I, I feel, of packaging in a way that makes it very digestible for the professional. What? A wonderful conversation, Michael. So full of information. Um, it's it's honestly been a real pleasure and and very oh. eye opening in in many ways as well. You know, I've been in the skincare industry a long time, and so a lot of the times I've heard it all. But today, you you have surprised me with with quite oh, a few. Well, thank so, you so much. I think that's probably the best compliment I've received <laughs> in a long time. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you very, very much. It's an absolute pleasure being with you. And thank you so much to everyone who's tuning in and listening today. Looking forward to coming back again soon. You've reached the end of another episode of the Beauty by ABIC podcast, your online support community for the aesthetic and beauty industry. Thank you for listening. And until next time, stay connected.